the time we have this evening looking in chapter 35 as we continue to follow the life of Jacob. What did we miss in chapter 34? Probably something like up to 10 years. Um, They settled in Shechem at the close of chapter 33 and perhaps the key phrase in the close of chapter 33 which sort of explains chapter 34 is uh, verse 18 where we read and they camped within sight of the city. They chose, Jacob chose to make his home close to the city of Shechem and it sort of echoes lot before him doesn't it back in Genesis 13:12, where it says he lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom and like with Lot it was a disaster waiting to happen if you like and in chapter 34 it did happen and uh, it culminated with uh, Dinah one of Jacob's daughters uh, being defiled and uh, two of his sons his second and third son taking it upon themselves to uh, seek retribution they took the law into their own hands they lied they deceived and finally they killed every male in Shechem looting the city taking its wealth Uh, taking the women and the children from that city and thereby bringing Jacob's whole standing and his whole safety into question in that area and really just turned his life upside down all over again. Uh, I guess he just felt safe and secure and settled and suddenly his life's in danger once more. And it's in light of that as we come into chapter 35 God again comes and meets with him there. And uh, I've given the the title to this evening Home at Last for it seems to me that it's here in this chapter finally Jacob gets it right finally he knows who he is finally he settles things with the Lord and uh, finally God becomes the centre of his life it's interesting chapter 34 there is no mention of God in it chapter 35 God is just mentioned over and over and over again through the chapter. I guess the key verse, if you like, in chapter 35, to what we're going to look at tonight is the start of verse 3, where we read, Then come, let us go up to Bethel. Suggest to you one of the great challenges of the Christian life is the older we grow, to grow nearer to God, and not the other way around. By that I don't mean you grow younger, but I mean you grow further away from God. One of the great challenges must be that as we get older we actually grow closer and closer to God and more and more in love with him. I know of no greater joy than to visit an older Christian who is in love with God. And you know, all they want to do is to talk about God, all they want to do is to talk about their love of Christ, all they want to talk about is the wonder of God's word and the promises that God has made and the faithfulness of God and their anticipation of seeing Christ. That just thrills your heart, doesn't it? It's, it's an amazing experience. I know a few things sadder than to visit an older Christian who has no interest in talking about God. Uh, a Christian who has no anticipation of heaven, no joy at the prospect of seeing Christ, who doesn't want to talk about God's word, And especially even more so when you know that that Christian when they were younger had a fire there, a zeal, a love of God. And you think, what's happened? How has it gone so wrong in your life? I say all of this because Jacob here is getting on for 120 years old as chapter 35 opens. He's still got some 35 years to go, but he's certainly in that latter stage of his life. And that last chapter of his life is going to be a good chapter And it's a good chapter primarily because of what happens in this chapter, I suggest. And my friends, can I plead with you, especially if you're in the second half of your lives, um, 
I know none of us know when we're going to die, but you can do the maths, and if you're past sort of 45, 50, you're in the second half of your life, yeah? You know, can I encourage you? You, That that, that latter chapter of your life will be a good chapter, and and that you'll be ready for when the Lord calls you, and, and, you know, you'll die well. And, And for that to happen, there's a lot we can learn from this chapter here, I would suggest. The first thing is this, verse 1, remembering past blessings. Jacob, I suggest to you back in 34, was quite comfortable where he'd arrived. He'd come home, he'd made a home, he'd set himself up, he's got his family there with him, he's at peace now with his brother and he just seems to settle into that rut again until it's all turned upside down by the behaviour of two of his sons. And it's then that God comes to him and what God does is to cause him to remember the blessings that God has given him in the past and maybe he needed that. It seems to me as I read it that he'd forgotten the blessings of God and God comes in verse 1, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. In other words, Jacob, your life's got all turned upside down again but you've been there before. Do you remember? There was another time in your life when you didn't feel safe. There was another time in your life when you felt your life was threatened. There was another time in your life where you had no resources left to draw on. There was another time in your life where all you could do was run away. Do you remember it, Jacob? Well, if you remember it, then you remember that I blessed you there. Go back to that place of blessing. Remember the blessings of the past. My friends, I'm speaking to everyone tonight, but particularly to you, if, like me, you're in the second half of your life. Have you forgotten how it was when you first came to the Lord? When you woke up in the morning with a joy, just a joy of waking to a new day with the Lord. When, when as you woke, the first thought in your mind, the first thought there was, I've got a day to spend with Jesus. I've got a day to serve him. I've got a day to live for him. I've got a day to grow in him. I've got a day to discover more about him. Do you remember when it was like that? Is it like that now? Do you remember when you wake on a Sunday morning and there was this joy that today is the Lord's day. Today I can go and worship him. Today I can go and be with brothers and sisters in Christ. Today I can share in fellowship, singing the praise of my God. Do you remember when it was like that? If it's not like that now. Have you forgotten how God blessed you times without number when you prayed to him? especially when like Jacob here you run out of your own resources and you didn't know which way to turn and you didn't know where you was going to find the answers and you poured it all out to the Lord and the Lord met you there and the Lord undertook for you and the Lord blessed you have you forgotten the amazing promises that he gave you when you first came to him those promises that you just longed to discover and you were reading your Bible with such a hunger to find those promises of the Lord and you were finding them and marvelling at them and they were so precious to you and so real to you, you were writing them out, you were putting them up on posters, you, you were doing everything you could to remember them and, and to enjoy them. Are they still as precious to you now? My friend, if they're not, can I plead with you to go back and remember the past blessings of the Lord? Can I suggest to you, you go home tonight and just turn the TV off, turn, switch everything off and just be still before the Lord and remember Force yourself to think back to how it was when you first knew the Lord. And if, my friend, if you can't remember back when a time when it was like that, then I suggest you, very lovingly, that you just question in your mind whether you are sure that you are truly saved. 
because it should have been like that. There should have been a a vitality, a reality, a, a wonder that flooded your heart and your mind and your soul when you first came to the Lord and tasted of how good he was. And that's not supposed to diminish as we grow older. And the Lord would say, if that's diminished in some measure, then go back and remember what the Lord has done for you in times past. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Go back and speak the Amen again. Go back and find those promises. Go back and reread them. Go back and enjoy them again. Go back and remind yourself that they are yours if you're in Christ. And speak the Amen with God's people to his praise. Remember past blessings, experiencing present blessings, verses 2 to 7. You know, you need to know that God's blessings don't end when you get to 45 or 65. That might be the retirement age in this country or I've probably changed it again now. They keep threatening to change it. Whatever it might be, God's blessings don't end there. They don't end when you're 85. They don't end when you drop dead. At that moment they multiply. At that moment they take on a a wonder that, that is incomprehensible to you at the moment. When you come into God's presence and there enjoy his blessings in a a richer and fuller way than you ever have before. My friend, if you're God's child, God wants to bless you right now. Know that. I'm not preaching health, wealth and prosperity. I'm preaching God's word. God wants to bless his people. That's his desire. Deuteronomy 28 is a frightening chapter in the Bible, isn't it? It catalogues what God will do against his people if if they are wrong towards him. But it opens with amazing verses. Listen to this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. The Lord loves to bless his people, but it is conditional. If you fully obey the Lord and carefully follow his commands, then he will bless you and bless you and bless you again. My friend, it's God's desire to bless you, but we need to be holy before him to receive that blessing. We need to be right before him. And up until now, Jacob hasn't been and it comes out here, doesn't it? Maybe Jacob hasn't got false gods but he's certainly tolerating them in his home. Until now, verse 2, what do we read? Get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you. So easy to sing, I will serve no foreign gods, isn't it? Or any other treasure. And yet in reality to have those foreign gods there either in our lives or tolerate them in the lives of those for whom we're responsible. Jacob is head of his home and he's tolerating foreign gods there. 
How can he expect to be under God's blessing? How can he expect to feel right with God while he does that? Now he deals with it, verse 2. Get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you. His wife Rachel, remember, stole her father's idols and brought them with her. Presumably the servants that he's acquired from Shechem have got their foreign gods. Maybe his sons and daughters have got their foreign gods. And Jacob knows it and Jacob is tolerating it until now. We might grow wiser as we grow older but sometimes I think we do grow less discerning. I think sometimes we do accept things that we wouldn't have accepted when we were younger. How can we expect God to bless us if we tolerate in old age things that we wouldn't have tolerated for him in younger age? We're supposed to grow more like Christ. We're supposed to grow more holy. We're supposed to grow more discerning. We're supposed to... We're supposed to deal with things. And we need to take responsibility for what is ours to deal with, don't we? And for Jacob, that was not just himself, it was him and his household. And he knows it, and now when he's going to go up to Bethel, finally he deals with it. He takes them and he buries them. He puts them away where they cannot be claimed back again. He removes them from their presence. My friend, is it possible that in older age you're becoming more tolerant of things that you shouldn't tolerate? We do live in a society, don't we, where we've been told all the time that we should tolerate. Well, you know, there's a right way of tolerating things and there's definitely a wrong way. And so often what we're told to tolerate is the wrong way. We don't tolerate what is wrong by God. My friend, you can't expect to be blessed of God in your older age if you tolerate that which you wouldn't have tolerated for him in your younger age. And it's not too late to change. Jacob's 120 here when he finally gets it right. None of us are that old. Well, I haven't checked, but I don't think we are. You know, it's not too late to put it right by God's grace. And then verse 2, Purify yourselves and change your clothes. He's coming to meet with the Holy God. And we've got to be fit to meet with the Holy God, haven't we? We've got to be washed, we've got to be cleansed. We've got to be holy before him because he is holy. And God will call us, if we want to enjoy his blessing in our older age or our younger age, we need to stand right before him, pure before him. Remember when Isaiah in vision saw the Lord? He cried out, Woe to me, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips. His immediate sense was his unworthiness to stand before God. When Ezekiel saw the Lord in vision, he fell flat on his face. When Peter understood who the Lord was when he was there with him, he said, "Uh, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm sinful. We need to metaphorically wash ourselves, don't we? Not just once when we come to repent our sin and come to Christ in repentance and faith but, but daily and that, that isn't just seeking his forgiveness but it's also taking a, a, a care of our sanctification it's working out our salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord isn't it that we might be clean before him and friends when we've done that we need to go where God's blessing is we need to put ourselves under his blessing go back to Bethel What's the Lord calling him to do there? He's calling him to go to the right place to meet with God. I get very frustrated with Christians who say how how frustrated they are in their Christian life and that they're not 
experiencing God's blessing as they want to and they're aware of things, you know, things aren't as they should be and they don't understand why when they're deliberately neglecting the means of grace that God's given them. You know, God has given us a Bible to read. You, you know, if, if you leave this shut from Sunday to Sunday, how can you expect God to bless you? He's given you this as a means of his blessing. But we're going to have to read it. It's not going to bless us sitting on a shelf. And I know if we're older, it might well be that there's particular problems associated with old age that make reading harder. But we have some wonderful aids in this land, don't we? We have large print Bibles. We've got MP3 players that will speak the word to us. And and as David's already alluded to, and I was going to, and he's sort of said it anyway in the first bit, you can always get someone else to read it to you. I was thinking in the week as I prepared this, I've never, ever yet visited someone, and I love it the day when I do, when because of uh, uh, an inability to read God's word themselves, they've said to me when I visit them, would you please read the Bible to me? I've read scriptures to people, but never at their asking. You know, that's a wonderful thing if someone turns around to you and says, please could you read the Bible to me? It's a joy. If you can't read it for yourself, ask someone else to read it to you. That's one means of grace. Prayer's another. You know, how do you expect to enjoy God's blessings if you don't talk to God? You know, if you don't want to spend time every day speaking with him, it's not surprising that you're aware of an absence of his blessing, is it? Being with brothers and sisters in God's house, that's a means of grace. We're here to, to meet with the living God in a special way. If you neglect that, how can you expect to be blessed? think about it in the week and I thought I I wish I could take you all for just a moment to a church that we visited in Malawi it was a a lovely church and I had the privilege of preaching there Um, so we needed to arrive there Uh, and I'm sure Colin could tell you about far more awkward churches to get to than this one, this is actually in the city of Blantyre although cities are misnomer because it's nothing that you'd recognise by a western description of cities, very rural but uh, we were in a 4 by 4 and we couldn't get to within I guess it was a quarter of a mile of the church and from there on, it was just up a hill, which was actually the uh, a river course that the river had cut out between the trees as you went up to it. A- and you ascended to, it's all about ascending to the house of the Lord, you ascended up to this church. And when you got there, there weren't comfortable seats to sit on, there were benches with no backs to support them. There were no glass in the windows, of course, so you get whatever draught or not is blowing through. Uh, there was an amplification system you'll be pleased to hear one speaker but that speaker was placed out the doors so that they could broadcast it over the valley the service so you didn't have amplification you didn't have, there weren't pew bibles there you had to fight your way up to this church and the older people haven't got medication and they haven't got walking sticks unless they've made them one for themselves but they were there and they weren't there for an hour they were there for several hours and, and we can so easily, and I appreciate that when we get older, there are physical constraints that make it hard for us to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ, but we lose it at our peril. It's God's appointed means of grace for us. And God says to Jacob, go back to Bethel. Go back to where you know my blessing fell on you. Go back to where you know I want to bless you again. And then, when you get there, build an altar to the Lord. What do I mean by that? I mean, remember why you're there. Worship God. 
We're not there primarily to be blessed by him, we're there primarily to worship him because he is God. And, and if the only reason that you've got for wanting to do all of this is so that God blesses you, I want, I want, I want, I want, you're going to be disappointed. First and foremost, we're there for the glory of God. First and foremost, we're there to praise him. We're there to lift him up. We're there to magnify his name. And as we do that, the blessing will fall. And look what happened as they went up there, verse 5. The terror of God fell upon the towns round about them. God protected them. God preserved them. God kept them. As they committed themselves to him, God's blessing and God's protection fell upon them. Is that what you want in your older age? Then go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. And when they arrive, Jacob built a new altar and he renames the place. This time slightly differently. Did you notice that? Back in chapter 28, he calls the place Bethel, the house of God. And do you remember we said at the time that he seems to be a little wrong there in what he's saying. He calls it, it's like he's focusing on the place like Peter did at the Transfiguration. Let's build a booth here. This is a holy place. And he calls it the house of God. This time he calls it a little different. Did you notice? El Bethel. Not the house of God, but the God of the house of God. It's as though now finally he's got it right. It's not the place that's important, but it's the God whose place it is that's important. And he's come back not to the place, but to God. Our time's gone. Look very quickly, anticipating future blessings. God just sort of reiterates to him all the promises he's made before, doesn't he? Do you see that? He seems to go through them all again. It's not that you need new blessings, new promises as you get old. It's not that you need God to come in some new way and make your whole new stack of promises. Sufficient are the promises he's already made. But the point is we're to carry on enjoying them through all our life and even beyond. He says to Jacob again, look, I'm going to build a nation from you. Well, the children have already been born to him by Benjamin. He's not talking about him having further children. He's just reminding him that promise is not yet fulfilled in full. It's started, but it's an ongoing blessing, an ongoing promise. And so are the promises God's given you. You know, I speak to Christians sometimes, and I was speaking to one only in this week, and she was saying, all the things she used to do for the Lord in service for the Lord and she said but now I'm old and I understand her heart completely but God's promises don't stop because you can no longer serve him in the way you once did the best is yet to come I hope you know that if you're a Christian until that moment you drop dead you haven't had your best experience yet that's the best when in that moment you see Jesus and in that moment all the frustrations of this life are put once and for all behind you and you have a perfect future unfolding before you. That was the heart of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, wasn't it? Hebrews 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. 
Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he is preparing a city for them. My friends, how do you cope with all the frustrations and disappointments and sadnesses of older age? You fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. And you fix your heart and your is on what is things that are unseen, things that are yet future. You fix your mind on glory. And, and you base your life in the promises of Christ. Promises that are yes in Christ to you. And, and you, you expect God to bless you as you seek to live a life that is holy and pleasing to him. And you know that the best is yet to come. And whatever this life throws at you, and in those closing verses it threw something yet at Jacob, didn't it? The death of Rachel, his beloved wife, birth of a son which he could have seen I suppose in some ways the cause of that death but the birth of a precious child death of his father how do you face these things? because you know the God who keeps his promises and you know that his promises are there for you if you're in Christ and those promises were sufficient to carry Jacob off to another land in later chapters and a whole new life there in Egypt and he still died trusting in those promises we're going to sing as we close this part of the service